Hey, Money Multipliers. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and this is the space where we talk about do our dollars make sense? I'm reporting live from the Money Multiplier home office today, and uh, it's a little late in the evening time, actually. So grab your beverage, your tea, your decaf coffee and dessert, some popcorn, and uh, we'll talk about a fun little topic today. Um, Before I get into the topic, I thought I just wanted to share just a little something that I found a little interesting that helps me produce um, content material for y'all. I should say topics. I actually, I'll go to some of my colleagues' pages who have a boatload of more followers than I do, their TikToks, their Instagrams and whatnot, and I'll go down through the comment section, all right? And some of those comments, the best ones that I find are the haters. Okay, I, I I love that they're going out there and they are questioning for themselves, right? I always tell y'all, think for yourself and question, but it kind of comes off a little hostile. And, and and to be honest, I think that's just where we're at in this whole metaverse era that we're in in the social media. But I, it's really good content to put together that I can really dive into deeper for y'all and how their thinking is just a little bit off track. And so, and to dive into topics about even why their thinking is going down that track. So um, anyways, I don't know. I thought it was a little funny and goofy. I spent a little bit of time today uh, looking through some of that. So another little update as well. Um, Furniture is arriving into my home. Um, I am updating everything. I know y'all have been hearing a little bit about my home remodel that I'm doing. So pictures coming soon. I am actually working with Maddie, my social media manager, and uh, we're going to have a whole new uh, backdrop for the podcast coming up. So I'm going to do that in my home office studio uh, coming up here soon. So you'll see that. I don't know maybe here in like a month or two. So, all right, a few announcements before we hop into it. Um, Upcoming events, all right? I will be out in Anaheim, California, February 24th and the 25th for the annual Noteworthy Summit. So uh, that's a really good one. A lot of good folks that I'll meet out there. And I love the note business, y'all. That is something that kind of ties neck and neck with private lending that I like to do. I would research that. Um, Provo, Utah, March 2nd through the 4th. I'll be out there teaching. Langhorne, Pennsylvania on March 11th. Tampa, Florida. Pops and I will be out there March 16th. And then finally, at the end of March, March 31st, Dallas, Texas. So uh, as always, you can go onto our website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash events. And uh, you can always look up any events uh, that we will be speaking at and coming out to in your area. So, all right, well, let's get into it. As you can tell by the title, the topic I want to talk about today is flexibility of your policy premium. Okay, before we get into this, though, let's talk about premium and the definition of premium. Okay, premium by default, we all think about is a payment, a payment into a contract 
And in return, the insurance company is going to guarantee me this amount of benefit, whether it be a car insurance premium, whether it be home insurance premium, life insurance premium, right? When we think of premium in the traditional sense, we think of it as a payment, a payment for in return, the insurance company is going to give me this benefit. Now, when we're talking about the infinite banking concept, I like to think of my premiums as deposits. And I say this all the time. I like to think of them as deposits because it really gets my mind geared into picturing my policies as my privatized banking system. So when I think of premiums, they are deposits into that banking policy. Okay, now that we understand premiums, Let's talk about how these premiums are structured. I do have a YouTube video on this for my visual folks out there. Um, and I, what I use is the rocket ship ex example. And so when we think of our premiums, they are split up into two moving parts. One of them being called the base premium and the other being called the paid up additions rider. So the base premium Think of that if we are picturing the policy like a rocket ship, your base premium, this is the base of your rocket ship. Then you have your two booster rockets. Those right there are your paid up addition riders. So those two combined come to meet your total premium deposit that you're putting into the policy. Let's use an easy number. Let's just say 10,000. And again, you're always going to determine the premium that you want to put into your policy. Shave off a zero, do a thousand, add a zero, do a hundred thousand. I don't care. You tell me that premium you want to put in. So let's go with 10,000 just because it's easy round numbers. And so what we'll do uh, is that we will take a portion of that 10,000 and we will allocate it to that base premium. And then we'll take the remaining portion and really the majority of it and we'll stick it into those paid up addition riders, those booster rockets. And so why? Well, what's happening is, is that in the early years of the policy, those booster rockets, that's what gets your policy out of the sky and out of the atmosphere. That is where your early years cash value is coming from. So it, this is why it's so crucial and important to add on these paid up addition riders to your policy. Because if I didn't add them onto your policy, you would have zero dollars of cash the first few years of your policy. And you just simply couldn't use it. There'd be no equity to be able to leverage and use. So these booster rockets, they give us that high liquidity out of the policy. As time goes on though, and our policy gets more aged and seasoned and matured, those booster rockets are gonna fall off the policy. Well, why do they fall off the policy? Well, they're, they're out of fuel, 
Okay. And once we're out of the atmosphere and they're, they're out of fuel, what happened to my rocket ship example? They fall off my rocket ship. So same thing inside of the policy. In those later stages of, of the policy's life, that base premium, what I even sometimes like to refer as as the foundation of your policy, that's what's going to keep your policy sustained and that cash value thriving and growing in those later years. And for my analytical folks who have been researching this concept for a little bit, another reason that it has to be dropped off is, is that in those later years, because of those mech rules, we, we can't keep them on any longer. We're going to jeopardize the policy and, and turning it into a mech status. So then we're forced to drop it off. So, all right, my newbies, we don't have to worry about that. That's just for um, some of my uh, uh, analytical folks out there. So, Okay. Now that you understand the base premium and the paid up additions rider and how they work hand in hand together, let's take it a step further. What is the flexibility of my premium, right? Because Hannah, you're telling me later down the road that my paid up edition riders are going to fall off the policy. Well, what happens if, God forbid, we come into another COVID era, I get laid off of work for 10 months, and I just simply can't afford to keep putting my policy premium in anymore. What happens then, Hannah? Well, your policy premium it can always be reduced if need be. So the base premium of the policy, that is the only thing required to keep the policy alive and active. Those booster rockets, the paid up additions, they're not mandatory to keep the policy alive and active. So what do we do if we ever come into a financial bind is we will lower the paid up additions rider to its minimum, which is $10 a month or $120 a year to keep it attached onto the policy. So we'll lower the paid up additions rider and we'll keep on that base premium and we'll just keep going like that until cash flow starts to allow and we can fund back up to those premium deposits that we were doing. Okay, Hannah, I understand that I don't have to keep putting the full premium deposits into the policy each and every year. How about if I ever want to stop making my policy premiums? Can I do that? And just here recently, I did record another podcast episode on your thinking is flawed. Here's why. So go check out that one. I won't touch too deep into the thinking portion of it here, but I understand why you're asking this question. So yes, you could. You can always stop making premiums into your policy if you ever choose to. What that is called is changing it to a reduced paid up RPU for short. And uh, what that means is basically you cut off the premium, no more premium deposits into the policy. The death benefit does get reduced just a little bit. And then basically you just have this policy that's running on an autopilot. You got the cash value there if you want to use it. You got your guaranteed permanent death benefit. And hey, it's just an extra cash account, guaranteed death benefit sitting on the side there to be used if you want. I personally don't recommend that for obvious reasons, but I'm not going to get into that right now. All right. So here's another reason that this, this topic 
came about as well. I also want to kind of talk about a conversation that I had with a Money Multiplier member that's just about to put their policy in force. So they call me up as they're reviewing their policy contract and they have some questions because they notice on their policy premium, they're doing a semi-annual mode. Okay, so when you deposit your premiums into your policy, you do have different modes that you can deposit in on. It can be a monthly premium, quarterly, twice a year, or annually. So this individual, they chose that they want to do a twice a year premium deposit into their policy. And so they call me up because they're noticing, they're saying, well, Hannah, there is a modal premium or a modal fee that is attached on if I pay my policy premium on any other mode but annually. You're absolutely right, right? It's the same thing like in the car insurance world. If you pay your car insurance on an annual basis versus monthly, you're going to get a better deal. It's the same thing like that. So with these modal fees though, I wouldn't look too deep into that because to be honest with you, you're just letting the nickel hide the dime, come back to your why of why you're practicing this concept. The whole reason why you're doing it is because you're funneling your cash flow through your banking system. I personally have policies set up on a monthly basis, and I got some that are set up on an annual basis. My monthly policies are just better for my cash flow situation at the time. So don't get hung up and don't let the nickel hide the dime there. All right. So I do agree if I can try to make my premium on an annual basis and it's feasible for me, I'll do so. Next little topic I want to get into, just briefly, I want to talk about term riders and dump-ins, okay? I know this this title is labeled flexibility of my policy premium, but there's some little quirks that I kind of just want to add in there, uh, just some for more education for y'all. So um, one thing is, is that you'll notice based on how your policy is designed and structured, if you have a dump in into your policy. Now, my definition of a dump in is anything over and beyond your ongoing premiums. If you want more information on dump ins, go back to my episode uh, uh, titled uh, Section 7702 Mech Limits and uh, Dump Ins. All right. I won't get too deep into it. So on a dump in, if you are doing a dump in into your policy, you have to add the term rider onto your policy. What is a term rider, Hannah? Well, a term rider is nothing more than just that cheap term insurance that we all know about. So it's a it's a it's buying you extra death benefit so that your mech limit increases and you're able to funnel in all of that dumping money into your policy and keep all of the values in the growth tax-free. That's the only reason this term rider is on your policy. So to go back when I'm talking about the flexibility of your policy premium, another thing that is required is if you do have that term rider on your policy, it is required to make that as well. So worst case scenario, 
part of my French shit hits the fan, you call me up and say, Hannah, my policy premiums come and due and I just do not have the funds right now. Well, okay. The minimum that you can deposit into that policy is the base premium plus your minimum into the paid up additions rider, AKA 10 bucks a month or $120 a year. And that term rider premium, whatever that is, if it is added on. So that is the real definite answer of that minimum minimum. But let me just tell you real quick. This is my answer to you. If you do call me up and you say, Hannah, shit hit the fan. I don't have premium that I can put into my policy. What are my options? My first option I would tell you, if you're if you're doing any other mode besides monthly, I would ask, well, hey, let's maybe switch your policy premium to a monthly basis. Can you do that? Let's make believe you turn around to me and you say, Hannah, I can't even do that. Well, okay, let's lower your premium. Let's do the minimum to keep it alive and active. And then when cash flow allows, we'll start paying back into it again, right? And then you come back to me and you say, Hannah, I can't even do that. Well, okay, let's see if there's cash value in your policy that can help pay for premium. And and you tell me, Hannah, I sucked out every single penny from my from my policy and I have nothing left in there. So let's just talk worst, 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 worst case scenario. Worst, worst case scenario. You cannot put that minimum premium deposit into your policy. Well, then the policy contract would lapse is what it's called. Uh, basically, that the contract is done and, and really the insurance company would return any cash value, if any, inside of that policy contract to you. You would return the contract back to the insurance company. Everybody would walk away. If you ever do get to that point and you are my member here at the Money Multiplier, you owe it to me to call me up and fire me because I did a really bad job teaching you about this concept. Because let me just leave you off with these two little facts, okay? If you truly follow our rules, hang around this campfire and keep drinking the Kool-Aid, you're not going to worry about making your policy premium. Here's some things that I practically do in my life. I will, when money comes in, I will pay myself first. You hear us say that all the time. Rule number one, pay yourself first. So how do I do this? When money comes in, I take a portion of it. My portion I personally do is 10%. I like to save 10% of my wealth. That is just what my mentors have always taught me. So I will take that 10% and I will go and put it into my segregated checking account. From that segregated checking account, I'll have it wait there for about, I don't know, a week or two, am I going to use the funds? Do I have any purchases, investments coming up? If not, I'm going to send those dollars back to my policy as just a safe place to keep and store that money. It's actually funny because we were talking about this uh, earlier today. It, it is Wednesday as I'm filming this, and we were on the weekly live Ask Me Anything webinar. We were talking about being disciplined with our dollars, and I come on there, and Chris kind of called me out on it, and he was because I come on board, and I just say, you know, hey. I'm not very disciplined when I pay back my policy loans. Where like, for instance, Chris Noggle, he actually has it set up on an auto draft monthly. He has a set amount that he sends back to his policies as those loan repayments. Where personally over here, I just do it on a manual basis. I'll maybe do it, I don't know, once every other month or so, just kind of send some lump sum dollars back. 
And he kind of calls me out and he's like, but Hannah, you are being disciplined. You are playing by your own rules. Your rule is, is that you must save 10%. That 10% must go to the segregated account. You can't touch that 10%. That 10% is either going to be savings or go towards investments or large purchases that you're making. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, Chris, you're right. You're right. I'm a little bit more disciplined with this than what I thought I was. So All right. I I hope you enjoyed this little episode of the Money Multiplier podcast and uh, reach out. If you have any topics that you want to discuss, reach out to me, uh, Hannah at themoneymultiplier.com. Hannah spelled the same ways forwards and backwards. You can find me on all of the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Hannah Kessler, K-E-S-L-E-R, one S there. And uh, I hope to see you next week where we talk about do our dollars make sense. I'll catch you next time. Bye.